are entering the Freedom Hut. The media has lost its collective mind over what they say are internment camps at the border involving young children who have been brought to this country illegally. Looks like their hyperbole is not going to stop anytime soon, but the Trump administration and the Republican Party want to take action on this issue. Are they able to fix it? And what will happen next now that the American people are focused on the issue of immigration in advance of the midterms? That and more updates on the IG and the Russia collusion investigation to follow coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Well, the images suggest those of concentration camps, families being cut apart. I know children are being marched away to showers, being told they are just like the Nazis. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. I know we're not Nazi Germany, all right? But there is a commonality there. We see these heartbreaking images, uh, and it's, it's so, so awful. And this is a policy that is inhumane, indecent, un-American, completely dictatorial. They are the tactics that have been used through history by the worst purveyors of pure evil, including slave traders, including Nazis, including terrorists. The Trump administration's policy, which is now resulting in child internment camps. That's what I said. Child internment camps. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Wow, the Democrats, the left, they, they are completely nuts. It has been for a long time understood that the moment you start to go ad Hitlerum, right, start making comparisons toward Hitler and all that guys, he's just like Hitler. No, no, only Hitler is Hitler. Let's let's not do that. But now they're doing it with the the Nazi concentration camps. And I would just have to say to them, you know, to to compare what's going on with these children to Nazi concentration camps is really to uh, belittle the history of what was done in those concentration camps. Uh, and and I, I think that there are a, a plethora of incredible ignoramuses when it comes to history that are multimillionaire newsreaders in the media and that are very prominent members of the Democratic Party. I think I think they don't know. I think very few of them know. I mean, one thing, for example, you just people say, oh, they'll talk about Nazi Germany. How many of them even know that it wasn't actually uh, only six million Jews who were murdered in the death camps? It was 11 million people, six million of whom were Jews. Five million, including a million, what are now called Roma, were then called gypsies, and over two million uh, Catholic Poles, and then political uh, political opponents, political prisoners, those who had uh, disabilities, uh, those who had different uh, you know congenital illnesses, marched into the death camps, murdered en masse, right? Six million Jews, eleven million people total, and they're going to compare. A couple thousand. When I say that, that was a that was a whole bunch. You probably recognize a lot of those voices. Those are prominent people, big platforms, many of them multimillionaires, some of them powerful voices within the Democrat Party. And they're comparing this to Nazi Germany. 
which is just so uh, immature, unfair, outrageous, and and degrading. It's degrading to just hear it, and it's so stupid. But that is what is being said right now, and and they wonder why it's hard for us to take them seriously on any number of other issues. Right? We we see the hysteria and the exaggeration about what's going on now, uh, and you know they take no. Absolutely no blame whatsoever for leading us into this situation, which is completely the truth, right? I mean, the reality here is the Democrats said, you know, we're just going to leave all these loopholes and we're going to not enforce the law and we're going to incentivize illegal behavior because it politically benefits the Democrat Party. That's what they wanted to do. And, and in the meantime, they just they have dialed the rhetoric up. You know, if the dial goes to 10, they're they're at 11. They have dialed the rhetoric up as high as it can possibly go. I mean, here's, I mentioned this before, uh, you know, pre, uh, Mike Hayden, who was my boss. I remember Mike at the CIA. I mean, he wouldn't remember me, but I remember Mike. I briefed Mike. I talked to Mike. He has lost his mind. Play clip four. I showed the picture of Birkenau in 1944, but my story is Berlin, 1933 where you had a new government in power with a cult of personality, a cult of nativism, a cult of untruth, a cult where it was acceptable to punish the marginalized segments of society. And I'm not saying our needle's in the red. I'm not saying uh, we're, we're becoming Nazis. But, but, Wolf, what I was trying to say was that what he's moving saying. in the wrong direction. The skies are darkening, and I want to send up a flare. Okay, can, can I just pull this apart for a second? He said he's not saying we're becoming Nazis. He says we're going the wrong direction. That would be like me saying, hey, you, you're a murderer. And you say, no. And I said, well, yeah, actually, you just didn't finish your peas on your plate. But, you know, I think you're heading the wrong direction. So I called you a murderer. That's crazy, right? That That's not something that you would do. That's not an intellectually defensible, not a morally, ethically defensible thing to say. It's kind of what Mike Hayden just did. I'm not saying we're becoming Nazis. I'm just warning that we're heading towards Nazism. Oh, thanks, Mike. Thanks for the clarification. That's really great. Boy, and this guy who was Melania's immigration attorney, he got in on the action here with the whole Nazi situation. Play five. We should not be quarantining our children from parents. The inhumanity of what we see is reminiscent of detention centers, of Nazi Germany, of the slave trade. We can do better when we try to figure out this problem. And let's not forget, this problem needs to be fixed because the greatest risk takers and the greatest entrepreneurs historically have been immigrants in this country. Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany. That's what they're talking about here. Um, You know, you have... From what I just see here with a quick Google search, a half a million children in the United States in foster care right now of one kind or another. A lot. I don't know what the percentages are. I can't find it right off the bat. A lot of them uh, are in foster care or in the care of the state because they have uh, they come from a single parent household and that parent is in prison. And if there's not a grandparent or some other relative that will take care of them, guess what? They go to that's what happens. Coming into the country illegally is illegal. I know I shouldn't have to say that, but I am saying it because a lot of people want to pretend like it's not. Breaking the law is supposed to be a problem. The only way to 
make it seem like a problem is to punish those who break the law. Right? You could take this back to uh, Socrates in, in the Republic, which I know is by Plato, but Socrates is in it. And, uh, you know, this is, if a law is not enforced, it ceases to be a law. I don't even know what our immigration laws are right now based on that standard. We've allowed them to just degrade so much. But the this stuff about how we are we are heading towards Nazis, my friends, it's dangerous what they're saying. Also reminds me of something that I've been thinking for a while, and that is all this stuff about the the deep state and the election and the and the collusion and Russia and Hillary and the emails. All this, stuff. you know, we've been acting under the assumption that the the other side is rational, right? That opposition to Trump is at some level rooted in. They don't like his policies. They don't like what he's going to do. But when you look at what he's done, there's nothing really they should object to very much at all. It's worked. Country's doing well. And that forces me then to think about this. They they are they believe this, right? The hashtag resistance. They think that they are in some kind of uh, life or death struggle for the soul of this country with this president and his administration. And I have to remind myself of this because if they believe that, for anyone who believes that, what are they unwilling to do? You know, if you were of the impression that we were just on the precipice, that any day now, any moment now, we could fall into the abyss of true totalitarianism, we can lose this country that we love so much with and with all of its resources, its vast military might huge arsenal of nuclear weapons, if we really thought that the country were about to fall into that darkness, what would you be willing to do? Let me just put it this way. If you were a senior bureaucrat in the government and you thought that was going to happen, would you be willing to violate your oath, maybe break some laws to try to stop that person from getting into office or then afterwards staying in office? I think the answer would have to be yes, right? If you bought into that initial delusion. And I've had to think in these terms before because, uh, yeah, I'm going to go there. Suicide bombers. Why do suicide bombers do what they do? And the, the pre, people can talk about poverty and they can talk about, uh, you know, they, they couldn't get a date for, you know, their you know, Friday night and, you know, no one loved them and all, all that stuff. Right? All those root cause discussions around suicide bombers. But really, you have to... At its at its core, you have to be somebody who buys into the notion that if you were to be if you take your own life in part of this cosmic struggle for bringing the kingdom of Allah here to Earth, right, in the return of the Mahdi, uh, if you if you believe that, and that by killing yourself you will go into paradise for all eternity, if you believe that, it makes perfect sense to be a suicide bomber. You're going to be in paradise for all eternity with the with the virgins and all the other stuff, right? It's that leap, that initial leap, dare I say, leap of faith, is what can allow people to become suicide bombers. Now, you notice how, by the way, I, you know, I, I'm using some examples here. Oh, meanwhile, they're calling Trump essentially Hitler. Okay, so I don't, I don't want to hear it, right? I don't want to hear the criticism. Oh, Buck, they're going over overboard. No, please, they have blown any sense of. Pardon the words blown. We're talking blown away. We're talking about suicide bombers, but they've blown away any sense of propriety and 
and decency and, and, and good faith and fair play in this discussion, that, that's long gone. But if they really believe that the president is pushing us towards fascism and Nazism and that's what's happening, if they think the president has set up internment camps, we need to be aware of the fact that if they take action based upon that, a lot of things all of a sudden become possible in their minds. And anything in the realm of a deep state trying to work to undermine the president, trying to to, uh, to stop this president, becomes completely within the realm of possibility. In fact, I think it becomes probable. It becomes probable. And, and that's what we are seeing happening right now. This is a, this is a, ma- it is a mass hysteria. It is. I am not exaggerating. People have lost their minds. They, they no longer are looking at their fellow Americans as just people that maybe disagree with them on stuff. But at the end of the day, we all just kind of want to kick back, relax, have a beer, eat a burger, chill out, watch some TV, be with our families and go about our lives. Right. That's America. That's the America that I know. What we're having, what we're being pushed into now is, you know, are, are you a good person or do you vote for Trump? Do you support Trump? That's the only question anybody wants to know. It's the only question they want to ask. And in fact, if you don't answer yes to the first one, or rather, if you're not willing to condemn Trump entirely, it's not just you're not a good person, you're a bad person. You are part of the problem. And th- this is... My friends, societies are pulled apart by this kind of rhetoric. Societies crumble under the weight and the pressure of the hatred that is created with these narratives. And this narrative of Trump as creating internment camps and Nazism is just so irresponsible, so destructive. And it starts to worry me because the other side is they're sick. They've got a problem. This has gone beyond, I think, that you know we, we disagree on this or that. or you know We're going to talk in a second about how the Republicans are taking action here. They're, they're going to try to make it so that families, you know, this is the breaking news. The Senate's taking up this bill. They're going to make it so families can stay together in detention during the asylum process, right? I mean, okay, so this, this issue's been raised. They're going to handle it. But internment camps? Making reference to Nazi gas chambers that were said to be showers so that people would more willingly walk in. And that's what they're talking. That's what they're referencing. What is wrong with these people? I really asked that question in all earnestness. What the hell is wrong with them? That they think that this is called for in the circumstances to make these Nazi comparisons and Hitler and talk about gas chambers and Auschwitz. We got kids that are being fed, clothed, taken care of, completely safe, probably receiving better medical care than they have in a long time, maybe ever, Courtesy of you and me. Meanwhile, the media is saying that they're not. This is Nazism. We got more on this. Stay with me. Do you believe, Senator, that this policy amounts to what some have suggested in effect is child abuse? It is child abuse plain and simple. This is not normal activity or brain development with these children. This does amount to child abuse. I'm so worried about how many pedophiles are now signing up to go and work in these places. What he's doing is holding these kids and their parents hostage. On this heartbreaking, barbaric issue, the damage that can be done to children's brains by the stress that is added by this separation. This kind of trauma will have lasting effects on many of them. Tragic enduring 
harm for these children. These children have been traumatized. These kids who are being separated from their parents are being ripped apart. Child abuse, they say. Not, not enough to say that this is internment camps or Nazism, but it's all, it is also now child abuse. How do they deal with the fact that the Obama administration did the same thing, not at the same frequency, but was doing this? So is it okay to if you have 2,000 kids in custody right now separated, separated from their parents? That's the report I read. So if the Obama administration did this to two or 300 kids, was that okay? Was that child abuse too, or is it is only this child abuse? I think we all know the answer. It's only child abuse when a Republican administration's in office. When a Democrat's in office, it's a complicated problem. This is how they play the game, by the way. This is how the media does this. Yeah, they'll cover this. They cover all kinds of stuff, right? They got to fill a lot of newspapers. They got to have a lot of live broadcasts going on. But it's how they cover it that matters. It's how they talk about it. I promise you. I promise you, you did not have a chorus of major voices media democrat party running around saying that under the obama administration the policy of separating parents from children at the border when they went over the border illegally was child abuse and i know they were not calling it nazism i know they weren't saying that this is just a step away from you know what happened in in the nazi death camp system where people were being marched off into showers and it was actually uh you know, Cyclone B and poison gas. I mean, you know, it's just what is wrong with people right now uh, saying this stuff. You know, I, I want to come back and, and discuss with you that, OK, there's they're looking to fix this now. Trump doubled down on immigration today as an issue, as he should. And he has to hold strong. I think he will. And be very cognizant of which Republicans are kind of running for cover on the issue of DACA or whatever that stuff is. But, OK, they're going to come back and they're going to. Now that we've been told this is the child migrant crisis at the border, we're sliding into Nazism, it's child abuse, all this stuff. When Republicans and the Trump administration come forward with a fix, watch how it automatically gets turned by the left into some political football. No, no, we, we, we're not going to do that because we're not going to push for border security. We're not going to allow you to do anything else. And I think they're even going to fight, fight back on letting Republicans fix the problem. They don't want this to be fixed. They want to badger Republicans and blame Republicans for it. That's the primary goal. But we'll talk about what the fix might look like in just a moment. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. We can either release all illegal immigrant families and minors who show up at the border from Central America, or we can arrest the adults for the federal crime of illegal entry. Those are the only two options, totally open borders or criminal prosecution for lawbreaking. What I'm asking Congress to do is to give us a third option, which we have been requesting since last year, the legal authority to detain and promptly remove families together as a unit. We have to be able to do this. This is the only solution to the border crisis. We have to stop child smuggling. So he's he's saying that he wants congressional action. The president wants this to get fixed. And we'll see now if that if that's going to be the case. 
but it, it has been quite a quite a process to get it to this stage. And I've been playing for you all the different, you know, just the quotes of people that are saying the most outrageous stuff imaginable and really, really pushing it uh, to a point where I, I think it's clear that this is, yes, there are people who are, who are concerned for children, but there's also just a lot of, this is a great opportunity to bash the president and make him seem, you know, one thing that hadn't yet been on the list of why you should hate Trump, uh, one thing that hadn't been on that list was he hates children. And, and now they're adding that to the list, right? Now they are uh, interested, very clearly interested in trying to make it so that, you know, there's nothing that escapes, that there, there's no part of anti-Trumpism that isn't covered by the left, right? They, they find a way to hate him on, on every conceivable level. But what happens if Republicans put forward a fix to this and... Democrats are the ones who shoot it down, which I don't think is an unlikely scenario with all of it. You know, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and talked about this earlier today. Here's what he said. Play 18. Look, I've already addressed this issue. I think we've got a problem. We need to fix it. Everybody agrees we need to fix it, and we're going to work on that. Senator McConnell, you have a problem with DACA. Congress needed to fix DACA. It hasn't fixed DACA. You have another very specific problem. I don't know how many times you all want to hear me say the same thing, but we have this problem that's arisen. We all know it needs to be fixed. As I said to Ed's question, the only way to guarantee on an issue this complicated that we get a fix is for it to be a narrow solution targeted at this particular problem. Ah, you see that there are these other immigration bills that are supposed to make their way, you know, to the House floor next week. Goodlatte, Costello, I don't know if they've changed them, if they've updated them, but there are other bills out there right now. And they are trying to add a whole bunch of different aspects of the immigration debate into those bills. I think Republicans on this one should just say, okay, we're going to give them a a clean fix to this issue. It's pretty straightforward. You say, okay, if you uh, are, I I would assume, and look, I got to see how how they're going to do this. And Ted Cruz has got a bill for addressing this this uh issue as well um and it would keep immigrant families together after they cross the border quote absent aggravated criminal conduct or threat of harm to the children so this would be it's it's emergency legislation that ted cruz has proposed and this would do the following quote double the number of federal immigration judges this is the cruz bill from 375 to 750 authorizing new temporary shelters with accommodations to keep families together, mandating that immigrant families be kept together absent aggravated criminal conduct or threat of harm to children, and providing for expedited processing and review of asylum cases so that within 14 days, those who meet the legal standards will be granted asylum and those who do not will be immediately returned to their home countries. So, you know, just just get right to it. Okay, keep the family together, but unless they... Are, are actually legally granted asylum, they're going back. And it's got to be fast, and it's got to be efficient, and that's the way it's going to be. Uh, I don't see how anyone can, well, I know why they'll oppose it, but if this were really about fixing the problem of children being separated from their parents, this does that. This does that. Here's the dirty little secret that Democrats don't want to say openly, but we all know is the case. Democrats want the current situation of people coming to this country 
staying illegally, using children as a means to get past the border, using children as a means to stay in the country. They want that to continue. Democrats do not have the courage or the honesty to say that they would like this to be an open borders country, but they want as close to that reality as they can possibly get and are willing to abide a tremendous amount of lawlessness in that process in order to get there. That's what's really happening. That is the reality of the Democrats' position. And I think it may be exposed once we see that there's a clean bill that's put forward and Ted Cruz and others are like, okay, here we go. Let's do this, right? Let, let's, let's, uh, you, we've all talked about a problem. Let's address the problem. Let's fix it. But you see on the left these days, the problem is what they really want to talk about. People are like, oh, it's so terrible. It's so horrible. I'm opposed to it. But those other bad people, they don't want to fix it. Well, do you want to fix it? No, no, keep the problem. It's much better to talk about it. This is really the left's mantra on immigration in general. They always talk about how it's broken. They want it to stay broken. They want it to be dysfunctional. They just want successive waves of amnesty as a means of changing the demographic makeup of the country to give them a permanent left-wing majority. We know that immigrants from south of the border vote 60 to 70 percent. Maybe it's more like 70 percent, I think. Democrat. They just do. That is that has been the reality now for a long time. That is and, and it makes sense. If you are a new immigrant to the United States, legal or illegal, you're going to want the party that is promising to give you stuff, to give you, you know, to have taxpayers pay for things that you get. That's going to be in your self-interest. So, yeah, it's understandable. I don't think it's commendable, but it's understandable that illegal aliens, for example, are going to tend to support. I know you say, Buck, they don't vote. But by the way, I think some of them probably do, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but illegal aliens have family in the country that are legal, that can vote. Illegal aliens, uh, I, there's there's a big identity politics component of this with the Latino community in this country that feels like the issue of illegal aliens is really an issue about them. And you know, there's a lot of complexity that work that gets worked into this too. But that's a an underlying assumption I think of much of what goes on with our immigration policy. Even though there are other you know there there are illegals who are not Latino who are in the country too. There are people that come here illegally from all different parts of the world, but they can't walk here or drive here. So there's a lot less of them. And that's the proximity issue with not just Mexico, but now also Central America and how that plays into the illegal immigration debate is you, you can't ignore it, right? You can't just get past it. But Cruz is, has introduced this legislation. McConnell says it's a problem that needs to be fixed. Everyone's saying, okay, fine, fine. You know, we, we agree. Kids being separated. By the way, one of the issues here is that you have so many kids being separated because they're coming to the country in such large numbers because of what the Obama administration did. Because this loophole has existed and people have the word has gotten out, that's why you have these intake facilities that are overwhelmed. And yeah, when they're overwhelmed, when they have more and more people, you know, there's not going to be as much personal attention. There's going to be more of a sense of, you know, you got to sit here and wait till we can process you, and that's not good for anybody. That is not good for anybody. I I will be curious to see what the line is from Democrats on this because I think it's I think what you're going to see from Chuck Schumer and from others is they're going to find some excuse to not vote on this because heaven forbid they say there's a terrible problem and then the Republican leadership and this this Trump White House turns around and says okay we agree that's a problem let's fix it here you go here's a fix that everyone can agree is a fix then we'll, what do people take from that? Oh, Republicans are they're willing to be reasonable. They'll look at a problem and say, OK, let's let's do something about this. 
and in the majority take action. What do we say when Democrats who have been comparing the situation to internment camps and the Nazi death camps, which is an outrage that we dealt with in the start of this hour, but what do they say when uh, all of a sudden they have to turn around and they don't want to fix this problem? They don't want the internment camps to go away. They won't vote to make them go away. Or maybe they'll hold other parts of immigration hostage in order to agree with Republicans that the camps, these facilities, should go away, right? That's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough sell, I think, um, but that's kind of where we are. You're going to hear from a lot of a lot more of, uh, of Elijah Cummings uh, in, in the days ahead. I mean, he's one of the ones that's saying they're like internment camps, by the way. Play clip nine. We all should be able to agree that in the United States of America, we will not intentionally separate children from their parents. We will not do that. We are better than that. We are so much better. We should be able to agree that we will not keep kids in child internment camps. In conclusion, Mr. Chairman, we need you. Those children need you. And I'm talking directly to my Republican colleagues. We need you to stand up to President Trump. It's not about standing up to President Trump. It's about changing the law that the members of Congress are responsible for. They could change it. They have not changed it. Now I think you'll see Republicans that put forward a fix. They'll keep families together. And then what you'll hear, though, is that we're so mean because we're deporting all these families and they just want the American dream. It's not like they're going to stop complaining about what Republicans are doing on the border and and the idea that we should have some kind of border security. That's never that's not going to stop. They're going to keep pushing on that and pushing that. And there's no way around it. Um, but I, I hope that a cruise or some version of the cruise bill, a similar bill will be up for a vote. And then then we'll see. I don't put it past the Schumer's of the world, the Pelosi's of the world to be just grotesquely hypocritical and to do so at the expense of impoverished children from you know developing poor countries. I, I don't put it beyond them to to try to score political points even after all the hemming and hawing all the gnashing of teeth over oh my gosh the children and they're separated from the families okay republicans will step up and say you know what let's deal with this let's handle this and then i think you'll still see democrats go whoa whoa." you know but what about this other thing that we want you know we, we can't just we can't just deal with this problem we've got other things that we want to put on our list of policy goodies we want to get done don't let the media get away with pretending that that's okay because they will They'll make some case that, oh, it's not really that big a deal. And, you know, it'll always somehow be the Republicans fault, even when they're the ones saying, yeah, let's do it. This is going to turn into, hey, you know, this house is on fire. Someone, someone help me. What do we do? They're not helping. They won't help. They won't. Oh, oh, they're here. They've got buckets of water. Well, you know, no, no, don't don't put out the fire because, you know, we don't like you. I mean, that's what this is going to turn into. And I just you, you mark my words on that one. They're not going to want to move forward on this right away unless they can get some kind of political, unless Democrats can use it for some political advantage. I got some breaking news for you about a, a name that's become very familiar to you from within the ranks of the FBI. And I think this is going to be a theme as more information comes out. We're going to see more people that have to face some form of consequences. And I will tell you who the latest one is, but you're going to have to stay with me through the break.
You got the deputy director meeting with the lead investigator of the Clinton email investigation and Miss Page, who's involved somehow, meeting in Andy's office discussing taking out an insurance policy to make sure Donald Trump doesn't become president. Did you? Is that what you're telling us? Um, I, I'll be clear. I can't speak to whether McCabe, Mr. McCabe, was there or not. Did you ask Mr. McCabe? We, uh, we did. He said he was not. He did not recall. So one of them's lying. So, so I want you to reopen this investigation and come back and tell us, do you believe Strzok or do you believe McKay? Because you just told me the deputy director of the FBI says he's not the Andy. This inspector general's report should conjure anger, disappointment, and sadness in everyone who reads it. This IG report lays bare the bias, the animus, the prejudging of facts by senior FBI agents and senior attorneys. And attempts to minimize and mitigate this bias are so antithetical to what we want and deserve in our law enforcement officers. And it's dangerous to the broader community. Yep. All true. All true. Man, what a, what a sham the conclusions were in the IG report, as we've been discussing here. But I promised you a little bit of breaking news in case you did not know. FBI agent Peter Strzok... He of will stop Trump fame now or infamy has been escorted from the FBI building. Uh, he, according to his lawyer, has played by even though he has played by the rules, he's been targeted by unfounded personal attacks, political games and inappropriate information leaks, yada, yada, etc. And, you know, we'll see what ends up. Hap- we'll see what ends up happening. here. We'll see how this goes. Uh, but struck is out. I think you can measure on a pretty short timeline how long it'll be before Strzok is uh, officially fired. And, you know, I, I wonder what, you know, at this point, maybe he tries to get some kind of a deal going. Because if he's as bad on the Russia investigation as he was in the Hillary investigation, or I think worse, I'd like it to be worse, uh, then... Maybe what he wants to offer up is, look, I'll tell you what really happened. I mean, that's really that's one thing we haven't thought about that much or we haven't discussed here on the show. What if one of these deep staters flips and we'll just tell the truth and nothing but the truth for a change and lets us know what really happened here, what the thinking was? Remember what I've been telling you about how we don't have the conversations. We just have text messages. We have emails. What if somebody would tell us what was said behind closed doors about Hillary's emails, about all of this? And what if they were given... You know, immunity to to testify before Congress about all of that. Maybe then we would start to get somewhere in the neighborhood of a full accounting of what's gone on here. Maybe at that point we could say that the the truth is is within sight. Maybe not all of it, but at least some of it. I still think there's some there's some other names we're familiar with, folks, that you're going to find out. Wow, they were playing so dirty and you start to add all this up to the unmasking requests and the FISA court stuff with the steel dossier and man, this whole thing, it is a total mess. It is dramatically going to affect the reputation of the department of justice, at least in any political matter for a very, very long time. We'll see what happens with struck. I think he's, he's going to go the way of Andy McCabe soon. We'll also see what's going to happen with Comey. Comey gave classified to people not until the habit. That's that's crime, folks. 
And Mr. Comey prosecuted people for very little in the past. Just go ask Martha Stewart whether she thinks James Comey should face the full force and consequences of breaking the law. In 2017, the Better Business Bureau heard more than 5,000 complaints about alarm companies. That puts home security in the top 10% of most complained about industries. Here's how you fix home security. You do what my friends over at Simply Safe did. Simply Safe got rid of contracts and hidden fees. They work hard to earn their customers' business instead of relying on tricks and fine print. Simply Safe is a company that treats you right. And we all know that feels really rare these days, right? A company that's all about good service and a great product, and that's how they keep your business. They don't lock you into some contract. You know, Simply Safe's not trying to be some nightmare gym that needs a certified letter to get you out of it, right? Simply Safe is all about the product and the service. They are good people. That's why they've got an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You are getting the best protection, too. The Simply Safe Home Security System, I can tell you firsthand, it's incredible. Learn more today at simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck to protect your home and family with an A plus system. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. This is something that was enacted after the Attorney General announced the zero tolerance policy. This never happened before he announced the That's actually not policy. true. So the last well, administration, the Obama administration, the Bush administration, all separated families at the... They absolutely did. Well, they, they did. Their rate was uh, less than ours, but they absolutely did do this. This is not new. Notice how the reporter pushes back there against Nielsen. Notice how she she's being snippy with the department uh, uh, or the uh, DHS secretary, Department of Homeland Sec- Secretary uh, Nielsen, s- suggest you know, no, this is a fact. Okay, remember apples and bananas with the whole CNN thing, which is the great irony of CNN is that they don't like facts. They are the enemy of truth. But anyway, uh, Nielsen here is getting pushback from this reporter on an issue that is not up for discussion. It is a fact, verifiable and known. That the Obama administration and the Bush administration separated families during criminal proceedings. It is also a fact that families are separated during criminal proceedings that are non-immigration related in this country all the time, day in and day out. Those are our fellow citizens. And you don't hear nearly as much of a complaint from the Democrats about it. I mean, this is this is why you also know, and and I've been making this point. I know Tucker has made this point on his TV show and the the Democrats don't seem to understand the message that they're really sending the American people when they put the interests of non-Americans ahead of Americans, when they feel like they're being moral and they're proud of themselves for denigrating Americans of all backgrounds and persuasions and ethnicities and everything else, right? Denigrating Americans and trying to make illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, seem like they're better than Americans. Democrats don't understand why that's a bad look for them. They think it's totally fine. They also don't understand why they should have to tell the truth about what really went on during the, not just the Bush and Obama years, but also what Hillary used to say about immigration. But first, let me, right, this has all been set up. And this is, folks, it's a coordinated plot, this whole thing. What's going on on the border is not new. This is a campaign. 
an effort by the media working together. They are colluding, you could say, with each other to make this issue something that will bring down the uh, the Republicans, uh, will force them to bend the knee and give away their majority. Because, darn it, I'm telling you, if Republicans pass an amnesty of any kind, their majority is done. Done. Absolutely, positively. Uh, and, and Democrats are hoping to, to just turn up the heat enough that they can get that outcome because they know what it would mean. Uh, but they don't want to deal with some inconvenient facts, some inconvenient truths, to borrow from Al Gore. Uh, like, this is what, what, what Obama, you know, the Democrats are all, oh, we need to protect the children, we need to care about the children. This is what Obama was saying about sending your kids across the border back in uh, 2014. Play clip 12. Our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied uh, on trains or through, uh, through a bunch of smugglers. We don't even know how many of these kids don't make it and may have been waylaid into sex trafficking or killed because they fell off a train. We have no way of tracking that. So that is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. More importantly, they may, may not make it. It's dangerous. That's true. These are all, remember, these are all things that I've been telling you here on this show. And that's what Obama was saying back in 2014, but, you know, we didn't have Trump then, right? There wasn't something more important. You see, for Democrats, getting Trump, attacking Trump, is more important than children's safety. It's more important than the immigration issue in any capacity. Getting Trump is priority number one, always, at all times. And that's why you could, that's how you can have Obama saying, don't send your kids, it's dangerous, it's a bad idea. And the media pretends like that never happened. Like, that was never a discussion. Uh, and, and, you know, no one's saying Obama was anti No one said it then. No one will say it now. Obama wasn't anti-immigrant then. Keep in mind, his administration, because of the decisions he made, created this huge incentive for people to come to the border unaccompanied. Right? The, Obama's the one who went with DACA. Right? Obama's the one that was trying to use the presidency to do an end run on the legislative process to, to usurp the powers of Congress for himself with a media that was overwhelmingly cheering him along the way. You know, with a media apparatus that was working very hard to justify whatever Obama wanted to do on the issue of immigration, a whole bunch of issues, right? Yeah, can you can you drone a U.S. citizen without trial? Under the Obama administration, apparently you can, and very few people will care all that much. Oh, Buck, look at this, uh, look at this Google article. People, yeah, I know, but there's there's talking about it a little bit, and then there's caring about it and making a difference, and no one really cares. And you you had, you know, why, why was it that it was under the Obama administration that you had this unaccompanied minors crisis, this surge of them? We all know it's because Obama was trying to placate his base, trying to get the left fired up. And and there is a tremendous amount of pandering to the Latino community that Democrat politicians do through the vehicle of amnesty and and be, you know, and, and illegals. We, we know all this. We see all this happening, happening. We see all this playing out. Uh, by the way, Hillary, hello, Hillary loves children. Uh, Hillary back in 2014 had this to say about the migrant crisis. Play 11. We have to send a clear message just because your child gets across the border. That doesn't mean the child gets to stay. Should they be sent back? They, well, first of all, we have to provide the best emergency care we can provide. We have children five and six years old who have come up from Central America. We need to do more to 
provide border security in so southern Mexico. They should be sent back now. Well, they should be sent back as soon as it can be determined who responsible adults and their families are, because there are concerns about whether all of them can be sent back. But I think all of them who can be should be reunited with their families. What happened? What happened to that Democrat Party? We're going to send there. She's saying she's going to send five year olds back, folks, going to send them home, deport them. That's another way of send them back means deport them. And by the way, I agree. But what happened to that, Hillary? What happened to those Democrats? They lie on this issue again and again and again. It's just all politics for them, folks. They really don't care. I mean, Hillary and all the rest, they don't care about these kids at the border. They don't care about our sovereignty and rule of law and all this. They just want to find a winning political issue, and they want to do some virtue signaling, too. Right. It's fun. It's it's easy to sit in your you know, multi-million dollar home in New York City or Los Angeles or Washington, D.C. or wherever and opine on what should be happening. In the border. Oh, we should help all the children and just help the children. OK, who doesn't get to stay? I, I keep pushing this issue. I actually said it last night on Brett Baer's show. Who do Democrats believe shouldn't be able to stay in the country at this point? If you're brought here as a child, you get to stay. If you're related to somebody brought here as a child, you get to st- this is the, this is on the Democrat side. This is Democrat thinking related to somebody brought here as a child. You get to stay a child brought here illegally. Now you get to stay a family member of a child brought here illegally. Now you get to stay one of the 11 million people that are in the country illegally and have been here for any number of years. You get to stay. Who doesn't get to stay? What, what about the uh, what about the parent and, and and child that shows up at the border tomorrow? We're just going to take them in. What limits do we really have in place on the asylum practice? Keep in mind, we have numbers of asylees that we're trying to hit. We're trying to take a certain number of people into our country through asylum channels. You know what doesn't get counted in that? People that never show up to their immigration hearing who say they're going to claim asylum and they never actually get asylum. They, They just stay. They're called illegal aliens. That's what is happening here. That is the policy in action, and it is just... It is just mind-boggling how you know Democrats never have to answer for this. They never have to really get into what their long-term plan is, what their short-term plan is to handle the situation. They just say everyone gets to stay. The Democrats on immigration play the role of Santa Claus, giving out you know visas, green cards, and citizenship to anybody and everybody, and acting like there's no cost to it. That's just not the case. And you know, and I, I hope that. The Republicans stay strong on this amnesty issue because that is a betrayal that I couldn't explain away. If we get DACA and no wall, I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what the Republican Party exists for. And that's what the Democrats think they're going to be able to use this to do. No, they're they're trying to use this to turn up political pressure and to find a way to make Republicans sell out their base. And it's just too much it just cannot be allowed uh cannot be allowed to happen so you know we're going to continue to focus this immigration issue i I do want to move to the uh, discussion about the inspector general report uh well there's a report but then there's also these follow-on hearings you know the hearings advance the story a little bit here and there but i I want to take it to what we can expect from the russia collusion side of all this that that's looming very large in my uh, in my mind here and and you know we'll talk about that and and in the third hour, we'll kind of see what, oh, oh, I got a, a story about the U.N. 
that we need to discuss. I definitely want to talk about the UN. And then Chris Pratt, who is an actor, had a really had a really good moment uh, on TV at the at the MTV Choice Awards, I think it's called, no less. Which I didn't even know that was a thing anymore. I think they give you like golden popcorn or something. But uh, it was it's a worthwhile message that you'll hear from Chris Pratt. And then, of course, we'll get into roll call your thoughts and uh, so much more. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Also, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Please like that page, follow it, and prepare for the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. We have the all the pieces in place. We're going to record it tomorrow. should be up tomorrow in the late afternoon, Thursday morning at the earliest. Please do click uh, subscribe as soon, whenever you can. As soon as we get it up there, I'll be sharing it on the Facebook page and sharing it on social media. Really, really want to see a lot of folks listening to it. Commie Bear is making an appearance. Uh, I'm just going to be sharing big, big high-level thoughts and hanging out with all of you. Be a very conversational show. Think of it like Freedom Hut Super Insider, right? That's that's the idea, the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. So that's coming up uh, tomorrow. And with that, we'll be right back. Your dog's got a lot of energy, especially if it's been cooped up inside all day. You know, once that pup gets outside and decides to start, you know, having at it in the yard, you can have a problem on your hands digging. It can dig under your fence. And if the dog digs under your fence all the way, it can get out in the neighborhood. There's a safety risk there. You don't want to spend your time and and a lot of anxiety with it looking for your dog. Keep the dogs inside. Keep the predators, by the way, like foxes and skunks outside. Dig defense is your answer. It'll fit your needs exactly because Dig Defense comes in a bunch of different models and sizes, and you can install it with a hammer and a pair of gloves. So it's available online at Lowe's, Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. Again, StopTheDig.com. Dig Defense is the solution to pets digging under your fence and getting out. Go to StopTheDig.com now to make sure this is not a problem you ever have to deal with again. It'll be solved by Dig Defense. Speaking of bias, I don't know how many of you have seen this, uh, and, and, and it's just <laughs> its one of these things that it's appalling, and part of me doesn't even really want to bring it up, but I, I've seen it making the rounds, and it is just a total disgrace. You know, there's this really, there's all this hateful stuff out there about immigrations and customs enforcement right now, like, like ICE are now being treated like the bad guys, and you know, slandering border patrol, slandering ICE. This is something the left is willing to do. So the people who are manning the front lines of U.S. sovereignty and and protecting us from drugs and human trafficking and you know cartels, cartel hitmen, you know, maybe even terrorist infiltration in some cases. Those people are getting treated terribly by the press, by the media, and and in pop culture more broadly. There's this. You know, Occupy Wall Street account, which I, you know, I guess Occupy Wall Street still technically kind of a thing, but it's an account. It's it's got a it's got a something of a following, and it shared this uh, this sort of cartoon about what to do when you want to uh, you know a- attack ICE, and it's a graphic cartoon about attacking federal. Remember, that would be federal government employees in the course of their duties for doing their duty. 
This Occupy Wall Street tweet that I've been seeing making the rounds is just, it's astonishing how violent it is, how nasty it is, and it hasn't been pulled down. A lot of people have been pointing it out. This is where you see these double standards in the way that they will treat, you know, cons- you know, conservatives can lose their blue check mark or they can lose their platform for saying that abortion is murder, basically. But leftists can pretty much openly advocate murder at some level and and they will uh, they'll get away with it. They will be told that it's just it's a free speech issue. Oh, I'm being t- I'm seeing now it. uh uh, it might have been deleted finally. There you go. It looks it looks like it has been. Yep, I think it's been pulled down finally as we're on air. It made the rounds though. And it was like how to take a. It was a step by step instruction from the Occupy Wall Street account to uh, attack an Immigration and Customs Enforcement officer and, and stab him. That was what it was. And it and it took quite some time for them. I'm trying to see if it's, uh, I'm trying to see if they actually officially took it down, um, or if I just maybe I'm I'm missing it on that tweet. But I'm pretty sure that they and if it's the main Occupy Wall Street account has 207 thousand followers. Okay, a lot of people, a lot of people. Oh, I saw this as well. This is this is the the mindless sloganeering you get from the left from David Hogg, who's now see notice how the left does this. David Hogg goes from being expert on gun control because he's a victim uh, to being expert on everything now. He got 59,000 retweets yesterday for writing, human beings are not illegal. Human beings are not illegal. Human beings are not illegal. That is a nonsense talking point. It has no relevance to our discussion. It is complete and utter intellectual trash. You know, yeah, a human being who robs a store is not illegal either, but we're not about to say that you can rob a store. No one's going to say that's okay. But human beings are not illegal. Man, this, there's so much of this that is, look, it's it's just being driven by Trump hatred. People now want to believe that not only, let, let's go over the list, not only does the left say that Trump is a a racist, a misogynist, a it w- will destroy the country, a warmonger, uh, a traitor. They've thrown all these things at this president, N- but that's not even that's not even enough. Now they want to make the case that Trump is uh, hateful toward children, and and he's also a racist because he believes that the immigration policies we have should be enforced. Keep in mind, it is on every member of Congress. If there is a law, people have been saying, "Well, Buck, slavery was legal in this country at one point too." If there is a law that is unjust, the people that are the legislature at that time have a moral responsibility to do something about that law. Right? If they, They're the ones that have the power to change it, and they're not changing it. They just want lack of enforcement. They just want a, uh, a, a, a essentially a executive nullification of the law by the president, and it's just, it's just so damaging. It really is. Um, but, but this is it's driven by Trump hatred, folks. It's pulled together by people who want to add this to the the list, to the parade of horribles about our current president. See, he's so mean he doesn't even care when people have their kids pulled from their arms. That's what he's, that's what he's going, that's what they're going for here, and that's what they want everyone to believe. It is just astonishing. I'm going to talk to you a bit about the 
the truth of what the Obama and Hillary administration, well, I'm sorry, Hillary administration, that, that just happened. What Hillary used to say during the Obama administration about this issue and what Obama used to say as well. The rewriting of what's happened in immigration is one of the favorite tactics that Democrats use. They just do it time and time again. And it's because their position is essentially indefensible. And if the American people knew what Democrats really stand for in immigration, which is effectively open borders, I think they would soundly, roundly reject the Democrat Party uh, on a national level. And they would the Democrats would get even more wiped out than they have been by this uh, wave of Trump support. Because if people knew that they don't really believe in borders, if people knew that they're the Democrats are willing to surrender our sovereignty for social justice and, and what they call diversity, I think they'd have a problem with that. I really, really do. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Keep in mind, those who apply for asylum legally at ports of entry are not prosecuted. The fake news media back there doesn't talk about that. They're fake. They are helping. They are helping these smugglers and these traffickers like nobody would believe. They know it. They know exactly what they're doing. And it should be stopped. Because what's going on is very unfair to the people of our country. Trump is absolutely right. And he is incredible. You know, he's speaking earlier today and and he's just just letting the media have it as he should. You know, I was on uh, Brett Bear's panel last night and, and we were talking about this issue. And I, I'm just amazed at how few news outlets get into the fact that we're not... It, the, the way that it's portrayed to a casual observer of, of the news right now, somebody that just, you know, reads a little bit of newspaper before they go to work and, you know, do their actual job or raise their family or, you know, live life. But if they're just passing by and trying to figure out what's going on, you get the sense that Trump has an army of thugs waiting at the border for, you know, kind and gentle immigrants who just want to come to America to pursue the American dream. And they're doing everything they're supposed to do. And these Trump Trumpian thugs are ripping these small children away from these mothers and laughing in their faces. And they don't care about any of the pain and suffering that's going on. Meanwhile, what's really happened is that people are breaking the law. They know they are breaking the law. They are coming into this country illegally. They are using children as pawns in the scheme in many cases to get into the country illegally. The Trump administration's had enough. This has happened hundreds of thousands of times, stretching back for years. The Obama administration did create this catastrophe. Those in the media who are saying it's not Obama's fault are being very slippery with their words and how they talk about it. The lawlessness that created this problem is a product of the Obama administration's decision-making. And there's just such a lack of honesty about what's happening here. And I love it when Trump calls them out for being fake on this because they are being fake. And as I've been discussing with you throughout the show, you know, they don't tell you that this was happening before. They don't tell you 
that that if you show up at a port of entry and claim asylum, you aren't separated. You go through the asylum process. What's happening here? Are people try to get into the country legally and then try to claim asylum. You know, this is this is not like saying, "Hey, I I need uh, I need this gallon of milk, you know, to feed my family. Can I please take it with me? I can't pay today. Maybe I'll pay another time." This is I'm going to shoplift a gallon of milk. Oh wait, I got caught leaving. Oh, now I'm going to ask for for the the benefit of the doubt because I need this milk for my family. I'll come back and pay for it another time. Or or I just need you to to give it to me because we need it, right? It's a lot more compelling if you're upfront about it than if you wait till you're caught. And that's what's happening with so many of these cases. They are waiting until they are caught. And that's just it's it's an unacceptable way to play this game. And that's what they are doing. And Trump you know, the, the media, they're having a field day with this because, for one thing, I think they realize that the whole Russia collusion bonanza, people are getting real. A- anyone who is not suffering from acute Trump derangement syndrome is like, okay, they've got nothing on this collusion thing. It's going nowhere. You know, I, I'm having, I have Democrat guests that show up now, high-level Democrats that show up, and and they do our show Hill TV, and I'll, I'll ask them some of them offset or offline. We'll ask them on camera too, but just to get kind of pulse them on this. And none of them think that this is going anywhere. The Mueller probe's not going anywhere. You know, the Mueller probe is going to chalk up as a victory, indicting when it all when all said and done, indicting a bunch of low level people for low level lies that only came about or, or or that only were possible because of this investigation. It's aggressive tactics. And they will have indicted a bunch of Russians who will never face justice for setting up Facebook accounts. And they're going to send Paul Manafort away for probably 15 to 20 years. That's my guess. That will be presented as some kind of a success in this whole process. That's what they're going to offer. See, it was all worth it because of that. Meanwhile, the rest of us are going to say, what a, what a, a putrid, toxic, political disgrace this whole thing has been you know hillary lost deal with it i dealt with eight years of an obama administration that was shredding the constitution that was getting a pass from the media they think you know there are people during the obama administration that are now you know these big names in in news media who were were supposed to be tough guys because they would ask a slight a slightly uncomfortable question for the administration once every six months oh yeah that guy's a hero please i saw the press conferences i saw what smarmy jay carney and the rest of them got away with and it was an embarrassment it was an utter embarrassment but you know i didn't walk around marching marching and screaming not my president not my president i didn't shriek at the sky like some kind of crazy banshee i dealt with it right i tried to i got involved in me i was originally at the cia when obama started right and then i left by the way, I wasn't part of any deep state conspiracy when I was at the CIA. I wasn't trying to use my position to undermine the Obama administration or undermine Obama policies at the CIA. I worked the executive branch. I had a mission. I tried to carry out that mission. It wasn't about me and my beliefs. It was about the mission and the national security of this country. A lot of people, as we can see, FBI, DOJ, and within the intelligence community, too, a lot of people lost that. A lot of people are or were unwilling to hold the mission above their own needs. And that's just that's just why when when Trump rips the fake news media, 
it is so important when he calls them out for the way they have just missed, they have misrepresented this immigration issue so egregiously and so blatantly. The only thing you can call them is fake news. That is what they are. That is how they have conducted themselves. And that is how we should think of them. And, and I, man, I just love it when the president lets them have it. I really do. It's now become originally. I thought it was amusing. Now it's one of my favorite things about this presidency. All things considered, uh, all things considered, uh, 844-900-2825. You want to chat? 844-900-BUCK. I'll be right back. They prejudged the outcome of the Hillary Clinton investigation before the investigation ended. And these exact same FBI agents and attorneys prejudged the outcome of the Russia investigation before it even began. If prejudging the outcome of an investigation before it ends and prejudging the outcome of an investigation before it begins is not evidence of outcome determinative bias for the life of me, I don't know what would be. That is textbook bias. I wonder who the we is and the we'll stop it. Who do you think the we is? If we, we can go the through a couple of them or the broader or a broader group beyond that. Trey Gowdy's back, apparently. Gowdy found the old Gowdy. He likes to throw down a little bit. Likes to get in the center of things and make the case about how the other side's just lying, which we all know is going on whenever we're talking about some of these big political issues affecting Democrats. Textbook bias, no question there. Gowdy awakening from his somnambulance. It's a fun word, by the way. And I think that this is what we need to, this is what we need to see. Folks who were just calling it out. That IG report was a joke. I mean, it, it was, in a sense, really disquieting, unsettling. It was a joke, right? I mean, no, no person could take seriously the notion that uh, there was no bias. I mean, as I've been saying to you, there was so much bias, it was hard, hard to fathom. But, you know, now, now the Democrats have got a real problem on their hands because there's an expectation there has to be an expectation that we will find out what's going on in the Russia collusion probe. And and I'm going to make this prognostication for you right now. I'm going to make a... I like that word more than prediction for some reason. I don't know why. I tend to go with prognostication instead of prediction. I'm going to make this prediction for you right now. There was more malfeasance, more obvious bias and more possibly criminal official misconduct in the Russia collusion probe than there was even in the Hillary one, which I know is saying a lot. Some of you are like, but come on, no way, no way. No, no, I, I way, bro, way. I, I believe that that is not just the case, but that we will find it irrefutably to be true that that is the case. We will find out that, sure enough, uh, there was more of this, we'll stop Trump, you know, we're going to mess him up, we're going to jam him up, leading up to the election. Now, what will be really interesting to see as well is what was it like after the election? Did these guys, a lot of them, did the Strucks and the Pages and others, did they go dark about these issues on their phones? And if they didn't, once Trump had won, then they are just morons. Because remember, everything that they did up to this point has to be seen through the lens of Hillary's going to win. 
And now people say, Buck, if they thought Hillary was going to win, why would they have taken action? Because they really hated Trump. The same reason that people are going to share photos of, of Buchenwald or, or other concentration camps or internment camps and pretend that that's some simil- there's similarities to what Trump is doing at the border, right? Because they hate Trump and they're crazy because they hate Trump so much. Yeah, Hillary was supposed to win. She was going to win, but they wanted to ensure she won because the alternative to them was unthinkable and unacceptable. And they would score points along the way if they helped ensure a Hillary victory. That's what Comey was doing. We'll get more into that uh, shortly. Um, or Look, this is something we're going to continue to be talking about, actually. But uh, it's, just, it's just amazing to see how this plays out. And they're not going to be able to keep hiding the truth from us on, on the issue of, of the Russia collusion. They're not going to be able to, they're just not going to be able to do it. They will not be able to hide this from us. And that's why their only options, folks, are to take down the Trump administration with the Mueller probe before we can demand information. Because remember, they're going to say, oh, ongoing investigation, ongoing investigation. They're going to they're play all the games we've seen. And they're willing to play dirty and play dishonestly, too. I mean, at least with an ongoing investigation, there's some legitimacy to the argument. Well, you know, we can't prejudice what we're doing by making it all public. But, you know, they're they're willing to say, oh, well, even with <laughs> with Flynn pleading guilty. Six months after his guilty plea that they won't share information about what happened. What did he lie about? How did he lie? How clear was the lie? What happens to the Mueller probe when we find out that Flynn, what they're calling a lie, may have been a minor detail misremembered? What happens then to our our faith in this Mueller probe? Oh, he's beyond reproach, right? Comey, folks, was beyond reproach until he wasn't. Really think Mueller's in a much better shape? You look at some of the cases that Mueller has handled, his tenure as FBI director in the past. A lot of shady stuff going on, a lot of reason to be concerned. So, you know, this is it's going to get ugly, and they know that if they don't win, if they don't win the midterms, they can't just keep running the clock out. It's not going to be possible. Uh, and, and look, I, I, had, I had James Clapper on on Rising, my fabulous new TV show with the Hill. Hill.tv slash rising. Uh, we had Clapper on, and he says that this should end too. So, you know, there's an awareness even from the other side. This is dragging on too long. This is getting, compl- it's gone completely out of control. It's too much, and we need to stop this thing. And we need to get to the truth as well. Man, what's it going to be like? I wonder, what's it going to be like over at CNN, which has really become the heart of hashtag resistance? When when they don't have this Russia collusion fairy tale to tell themselves anymore, what's what's the end? Uh, what's the outcome going to be with all that? You know, how's that going to go? And yeah, do they really think they're going to have credibility afterwards? They really think people are going to want to listen to what they have to say on, on any number of issues once it has been made abundantly clear that they were. If not lying, they were being disingenuous in the way they were pursuing and just running these stories, endless stories, time and time again on all this. What a waste, right? What a waste of our time and energy and effort. And what an incredible presidency it has been so far. I mean, the fact, I've been talking to some friends about this recently. The fact that Trump hasn't just withstood this, what would have been a withering assault 
from the media against any other president or politician. He hasn't just withstood it. He has thrived under the circumstances. I mean, the guy is a phenomenon. I don't understand how it's even possible. He has the entirety of the mainstream media apparatus and the Democrat Party not trying to undermine his message, not trying to beat him on the battlefield of ideas, but to ruin him and end his presidency and send him to prison. Why? For what? They don't care. They just want him to they just want him to go to jail. And he's got the highest approval rating of his presidency right now. Or the the trajectory of the country. I think the latest Gallup poll is like the most positive it's been in in a long time. Despite the fact that they're, they they can't come up with enough superlatives to describe the evils and the the failures of the Trump administration, and a lot of us look around, we're like, uh, if this is evil and failure, I need a lot more evil and failure in my life. Record unemployment, stock market still booming, businesses doing great, optimism across the country economically. I mean, that's you know nothing is perfect, right? I mean, that's the thing. You were talking about sweeping sentiment here. We're talking about at the at the macro thirty thousand foot view, but the president's doing a friggin' great job despite all this stuff. You know, despite you know, and the worst of them are the, are the real, the 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 so called journalists who are every bit as dedicated to taking Trump down as any partisan over at MSNBC or the Nation or you know any any of the Huffington Post, any of these places, right? The the worst are the fake news media at uh, the New York Times, at the Washington Post, and and CNN is just I don't understand how anybody watches it anymore. The whole it's a joke to me. Yeah, they're objective journalists. They're not anti-Trump. Jake Tapper's not really a Democrat pushing a Democrat agenda through the lens of being an objective journalist. Anderson Cooper's not really a Democrat pushing a Democrat uh, agenda with the facade of an objective journalist, right? It's just, who believes this stuff anymore? Who takes that seriously? You'll notice they'll never debate that issue publicly. They're oh, like I say, you know, at, least some of the, at least some of the other lefties are honest. At least MSNBC's honest about what it is fact that they've got you know never trumpers on there all over the place pretending to speak for the the gop it's just that that's a separate issue it's a problem but man i gotta tell you this uh inspector general report the, the more we know folks remember this this is one of this has become a, a law of trumpism the more truth you know the worse the media looks and the better trump looks FBI says that home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. Brace yourself, my friends, because having your credit card stolen is nothing compared to the hell you're in for once an identity thief takes control of your home's title. You know, you got so much stuff online these days, and and that includes getting information about you that could lead to somebody taking your home's title and replacing it with an alias. Then they take out a loan, and you get stuck with the payments. You won't know, folks, until those... Requests for payment arrive. So, you know, there you, you got to keep that in mind. And and by the way, identity theft programs, insurance policies don't protect you. For just pennies a day, though, Home Title Lock can. It can protect my most valuable asset, my family home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com to protect your most valuable asset, your home. 
Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. All they're howling about locker up was bogus. It was baseless. It was unsubstantiated. And now we have another report saying so. James Comey decided to play judge, jury, and executioner. And on October 28th, he executed the Hillary Clinton campaign. This is just a complete rewriting of history, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back to the show. I got to tell you, you're going to see so much of this going forward where even though we have this IG report and we all know what happened with Hillary, right? She should have been prosecuted. She wasn't prosecuted. That's it. People can say whatever they want. She violated the law. It's a serious criminal federal statute on the handling of classified information, one that I know well, one that I lived under with no shortage of you know, anxiety and stress, by the way. And, and all of you listening to this who have a clearance or have had a clearance know exactly what I'm talking about. And think about this, right? You, you know, you lose the wrong piece of paper. You have the wrong kind of conversation on the wrong kind of device. or And and you risk your clearance. You risk your profession. You might even risk your freedom. And you know that and I know that. We lived with that. But with Hillary, she was too important. She was held to be above the law. And Comey put himself at the center of this to be the savior of the Clinton dynasty. He says it was all to save the FBI, but really we know that the Democrat Party and the bureaucracy of the federal government are at this point increasingly symbiotic organisms, right? They feed off each other. They use each other. They are to be thought of as one for the most part. And as I look at all of this and, and what's been going on, all I, all I can see uh, and I see it quite clearly, but you're gonna, it's going to happen more and more. They're just going to lie about what really happened here. Within a few years, they'll be saying that you know Hillary's emails, they weren't marked classified, and, and nobody really thought they were all that classified, and it was nothing really big to see. And, and you'll say, no, 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 hold on, wait, I'm going to go back into Google. Don't even have to use the Wayback Machine to find the you know, archive tweets, right? I'm going to go, and I'm going to look at this information. I'm going to, nope, that point's already... They've already moved on to the next thing. They will lie and lie and lie about this because this blunts this whole storyline about Hillary Clinton and the emails. And now that we've got this inspector general report, which, by the way, which just it was just preposterous. The whole thing is laughable that they're saying there was no bias. What are we all idiots? You know, what would happen? You know, take it out of the out of the specifics of this investigation with who's being investigated under what circumstances presidential contender during a presidential campaign expected to be the next president assume for a moment that you have a bunch of detectives looking into a a murder somewhere and they're all texting each other saying well you know even if we can't prove it we think this person did it and so they should pay no matter what you'd be you'd be looking at it at a mistrial and, and, and an exoneration likely right there's just no way that would ever stand up now that doesn't in in that case i explained to you right those detectives haven't said well we're going to plant evidence well we're going to falsify documents to get to put this person away for murder but if they say 
that that's their intent, it taints the whole process. If you know that they are biased, then you know that there are biased actions attached to it. The perception of bias is enough. And that's what we saw in that IG report. But give it time. Just like how last week they were saying no bias, no bias. And then everybody had time to read the report and said, it is a monument, it is a testament to bias in favor of Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. And they're just going to try and they're going to try to rewrite history. It's very Soviet in the brazenness of it. Right? Remember, the Soviet Union had this willingness, this uh, really this this compulsion as a state to even down to minute details. I mean, I remember reading about in the Matrokin in the Matrokin archives, which was the archives of the KGB found uh, after the fall of the wall and published in large portion for the West, the KGB archivist kept copies of it. I've told you about this before on the show. Matrokin archive, though, it's uh, the sword and the shield is the name of of the uh, of the first edition of it or the first volume. And then the world was going our way, which is about the battle in the third world between the KGB and, and the, the allies, of the United States. Uh, but the Soviets would take a, a, a razor and remove people's names from official documents once they had been liquidated or once whatever had happened to them. But you'd say, well, hold on. Isn't there now a, isn't there now a little empty space there where it used to? Oh, yeah, but their name is gone. What name? There was no name. Yeah, but there's a, an empty space on the page. It looks like somebody cut this out. There's no name. There's nothing there. That's what the Democrats are going to do with Hillary's emails. They're going to keep on the storyline that, you know, it was nothing here, that Hillary, that Hillary was a victim of Comey. That's what Elijah Cummings, when we came in, or uh, Elijah Cummings, we came into the uh, the segment here. That's what he was saying, right? That, that this is, it's Comey's fault that Hillary lost. Think about this, right? Saying it's Comey's fault that Hillary lost is kind of like, you know, it, it reminds me of the storyline that, uh, or, or, or a story that you could tell where you have a, a police officer, you know, let somebody go for a, I don't know, let somebody go for a DUI, right? So the cop pulls you over, you're drunk, you're driving, he goes, all right, I'm going to let you go for that. And then later on down the road, you get pulled over for speeding, and that cop, and, and, and that cop, you know, nails you for speeding. You say, well, if the first cop had just arrested me for DUI, I wouldn't have been in this speeding mess. Wait, what? That doesn't make any sense, right? But Hillary's position is now, well, Comey opened this investigation on me again, so that's why I lost the election. Meanwhile, if Comey doesn't bail her out, if Comey doesn't bail her out, she's done. So he say, to say that Comey cost Hillary the election is to intentionally forget the fact that without Comey, Hillary doesn't even make it to election day as a candidate. One more note that I'll, I'll put out there to you, and I've been seeing this a little bit more now. I've thought about it in the past. The tarmac meeting. We have been told so many times that when Loretta Lynch met with Bill Clinton on a private plane, right at the end of the Hillary email investigation, right before James Comey went out before the whole country and and uh, told and did this bizarre maneuver that he's now been called out for being insubordinate right now. And we know that what he did wasn't okay. And I believe that he had to know what he was doing wasn't okay either. But Comey was taking one for the team. The team that he thought was going to win. Team Hillary. That's what this was about. Comey's not dumb. He's a weirdo. 
and he's self-righteous and I don't I don't like what he does. But Comey is not a dumb guy. And there's no way he could have thought that what happened wasn't going to come back to bite him unless he assumed that Hillary would win and he would have been held as a hero in the situation. But here's what else I see. And and I, I fault myself on this at some level. Why would Loretta Lynch meet with Bill Clinton on that tarmac and have that discussion when that also looks so bad? It's so clearly poor decision-making, poor judgment. Why would they do it? You know what makes a lot more sense? And we're not supposed to think this. Oh, it's so conspiratorial. You know what makes a lot more sense? That Loretta Lynch had to pass word along to Bill Clinton in a way. How do you do it face-to-face? Couldn't, didn't want to trust it to a phone call, didn't want to put it in an email, certainly didn't want to put it in a text message. Hey, this is what we're going to do. Comey's going to stand in front of the American people, and he's going to be the one, and this is how we're going to save Hillary. And, And to coordinate the plot, face-to-face, with no one else around to hear about it. That makes a lot more sense to me than this was a chance meeting that Loretta Lynch, oh, he just he just kept going on. He's just so charming. I just couldn't, you know, I just want to talk to Loretta because I just, you know, she's going to talk on the tarmac and she's a lady and I like ladies. That doesn't make any sense. What does make sense is they had to have a face-to-face to coordinate the next steps, and that... That it would make much more sense for Loretta Lynch to tell Bill Clinton or or to hear from Bill Clinton, you know, hey, this is what should be done. Can't be you, Loretta, and it can't be an Obama appointee at DOJ that clears Hillary. Has to be somebody who's beyond reproach. Has to be somebody the American people will believe in, and he'll get covered on the back end here. He'll get his due when Hillary's president for eight years. Who fits that role, my friends? We all know the answer, James Comey. But see, then this little problem happened. Trump won, and now Comey's under investigation. We'll be right back. Information is power, and when you're trying to get the best information, you need the best people to have your back. That's why you need Global Verification Network. They are the only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company. Look, I know the CEO of Global Verification. He is a great guy, and he wants to set the standard in this business. So give them a shot. If you want somebody who is all going to be based in the U.S., never offshores your data, understands how to get you the answers you need, whether you're leasing out a property, hiring somebody for your business, or need due diligence on a business partner, Global Verification is where you should go. Go to mygvn.com, mygvn.com, or call 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. One one seven nine Global Verification Network. Leave no stone unturned. Um, so on there, the Security Council just finished its regular monthly meeting on Middle East issues. It's the first meeting like that that I've attended, and I have to say it was a bit strange. The Security Council is supposed to discuss how to maintain international peace and security. But at our meeting on the Middle East, the discussion was not about Hezbollah's illegal buildup of rockets in Lebanon. It was not about the money and weapons Iran provides to terrorists. It was not about how we defeat ISIS. It was not about how we hold Bashar al-Assad accountable for the slaughter of hundreds and thousands of civilians. 
No, instead the meeting focused on criticizing Israel, the one true democracy in the Middle East. I am new around here, but I understand that's how the council has operated month after month for decades. That was U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. Let's call it about, uh, oh gosh, that was about a year and change ago. I don't know. It was a while ago. She was just saying that the U.N., and that was in that case, it was about the Security Council. U.N.'s a bunch of Israel bashers. And when it comes to the United Nations, it seems like there are few things higher up on the agenda on a regular basis than just bashing the crap out of the state of Israel every single chance they get. And it's just absurd, right? It's, it's just crazy. Think about all these countries that are involved. Well, she was putting the U.N. on notice then, and we put this in the, hey, another good thing the Trump administration is doing, but media is not going to focus on it much category. And that is that as of today, right, Nikki Haley, I play the audio for you. She warned the U.N. Stop being a bunch of Israel hating crazies. And as of today, the U.S. is now poised to withdraw from the U.N. Human Rights Council. Now, this is a good thing. You know, we are always told in the realm of national security and diplomacy. Oh, well, you know, that the presence of America or America speaking on the same plane as some of these dictators and sit in the same room with them is we got to be careful about that. Right. Well, why are we going to sit on a human rights council? That's really not about human rights, just just a lot of cover for anti-Semitism. That's what this turns into. And Nikki Haley has denounced what she calls a pathological bias against Israel. The council has issued the U.N. Human Rights Council, Okay, has issued 70 resolutions targeting Israel more than any other country. Can we just think about this for a second? The U.N. Human Rights Council is more concerned with Israeli human rights violations, which I'd be curious to even see what they're considering human rights violations here, than they are North Korea, Syria, Iran, Venezuela. I mean, we could go down the whole list, right? We, we could really dig into this one quite a, quite a bit. And I just note that this is, you know, the U.N., like so many other things that we talk about, has become, for so many people here in America, much more of a political signaling issue than in Oh, yeah, I really think the U.N. is doing great stuff. The U.N. is largely a joke, okay? It's like a photo op for bureaucrats a few times a year. Doesn't do very much at all uh, that, you know, first of all, you couldn't have international charities like the Red Cross do. And on the Security Council side, it's just garbage. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't save anybody from anything, really. Uh, you know, I think the U.N., is is largely useless. I really do. And and I would challenge anybody to to prove me wrong on that one. I'm not saying it does nothing that's worthwhile, but think about all the countries that are involved and the the billions and billions of dollars of of budget that it spends. And what does it really give us? At the end of the day, when something terrible happens somewhere, who does the world turn to for leadership? Who does the world look to to handle the the worst of the worst problems? America. And that's why, first of all, the U.N. should be moved. We shouldn't have the U.N. headquarters in New York City. Uh, Let the bureaucrats not just fly into JFK and then spend money at fancy New York restaurants that their countries could better spend on other things. You know, if the U.N. First of all, the U.N. shouldn't be in America, in my opinion. Uh, It should be in some other country. Uh, Where? I don't know. Who cares? Make it in Greenland. You know, give, give them something to do. 
Uh, and, and then also just the, the anti-Israel component of the U.N. is, is an embarrassment. And, and we should call it out as such. And I'm glad Nikki Haley's doing that. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. This isn't some major issue for me. But, you know, they already got rid of the U.N. Human Rights Commission back in 2000. And, uh, uh, you know, back well, they created the council in 2006 after the U.N. Human Rights Commission was dissolved uh, because of also its complete failure. And the Human Rights Commission had some of the absolute worst violators on its membership role. Okay, you had a U.N. Human Rights Commission until 2006 that had Venezuela, Cuba, and Saudi Arabia on the commission. So, yeah, they got rid of it, right? But they're also concerned with Israel. You know, the Saudis are are lopping people's heads off in the public square with scimitars. And, you know, homosexuality is punishable by death and there's women can't drive and Christians can't expose a crucifix in public or build the church. I mean, we get on this whole thing. But, you know, Israel's the problem. Israel, which has Palestinian population in Israel proper of about 20 percent is a uh, is a democracy with people from all over the world. You know, it don't even don't even get me started. But all the hating on Israel from it's just these a lot of the Muslim countries gang up on Israel. And then also the Europeans, you'd think the Europeans would be a little more. Oh, I don't know, a little more circumspect about going after Israel. But nope, European countries really favor the Palestinian cause. And I just have to wonder at some point, what really is the Palestinian cause? You know, you've had migrations in the last 15 years of millions of people around the Middle East because of wars, because of security considerations, and people just move, all right? A few million people moved out of Iraq into Turkey and Syria. Now a few million people have moved out from Syria into Turkey and Europe and Jordan and other places. So why does the Palestinian question uh, continue on? Well, it's because they want it to continue on. It is a useful tool against the Israeli state, and it's useful for the purposes of creating a uh, a struggle and propping up a struggle that is really about the end of the Jewish state. That's what they want to do. But that's a conversation that we'll get into more another time. Point here is the Trump administration's like, you know what, we're, we're going to withdraw from the Human Rights Council of the U.N. because it's crap. And you know what? The Trump administration's right. It is crap. And we should start calling things what they are, we should be honest about what's really happening here, and we shouldn't be a part of it. You know, if they, if they want to really be concerned with human rights and hold people to task, hold countries to task for their massive failures, that's fine. But that's not what happens. It's just Israel bashing and Israel bashing and more of that, and that's it. So good on Nikki Haley. By the way, I think VP candidate for whoever comes after Trump would be Nikki Haley. She might run as well, but and maybe she'd be a great candidate. I don't know. You know, maybe she'd be a candidate in her own right. I'm not really sure how she'd handle that level of national political scrutiny, but she's certainly becoming a household name now. Uh, team, I will be back with you in just a moment. I, I want to tell you about a speech that Chris Pratt, uh, a very talented actor, um, who you know he, he just gave a nice little speech. We're going to talk about it together because it's the kind of stuff that I wish we'd hear more of from the entertainment media. So what did Chris Pratt say? Stay with me. You'll hear it.
He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. The MTV Music Awards are not something that you're going to hear me talk about on this show very often. Most of you understand why, because who the heck cares? But Chris Pratt was on uh, last night, and he won some kind of an award. And he took it as an opportunity, speaking to a pre-millennial audience, mostly, I think, or a young millennial audience. I don't know who watches MTV award shows anymore, honestly. I, I don't know. I'm sh- surprised they still do them. Uh, but he had some really worthwhile things to say, and some of it wasn't great. I've cut this a little bit because there was some fart joke stuff, and you know we don't really need to hear that. But there were some very positive messages, too. And Chris Pratt, whom I know mostly from his work on Parks and Rec, one of my favorite shows. Remember, jump to season two. Season one, skip it. It's bad. Season two, it catches its stride. So I think Netflix has all the Parks and Rec seasons on it. He's great, and he's a great character. And the guy has a, as, a, as much as one can tell about these things. In the news business, I know the deal with different people, even when I haven't met them, because I, I know people who know them, and, and I trust what the opinions are of those that know them. You know, from what I can gather as an outsider about the entertainment media side of the world, people say Chris Pratt's a really nice guy, and he speaks about faith and prayer and good works in a way that at least sounds authentic, like somebody who's given some thought to this. Uh, But here are his, uh, I think it was nine rules from Chris Pratt. I've kept the good ones and kept out the potty mouth ones, but here's what he says. This is what I call nine rules from Chris Pratt, Generation Award winner. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Number three, don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Number five, doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service, it feels good and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Number eight. Learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Do not forget it. Now, I've always thought Chris Pratt was a talented guy, and he comes across like a nice guy. I don't know him personally. But I really got to say, I like much of the message there. I like what he's saying. How rare is it for someone? This guy's, by the way, the lead in Jurassic Park. He's also in Guardians of the Galaxy, the lead in that movie, which did huge box office at least for the first one. I don't know about that. I think the second one did well, too. Uh, so, you know, he, he's a big-time movie star. And just for him to speak about prayer and God and humility and good works, 
it, it you have to it's kind of like is that moment when the music stops the part you know when the music stops the party you're like wait what that was my version of the scratch with the record player but that didn't really sound like a record player scratch you know what i mean uh, I, I think it's a good thing and and for him to reach younger folks with that message i would just like to hear more of this if we're going to have celebrities that use their notoriety for their own messaging purposes right just to go out there and, and spout off with opinions they don't have to be hyperpartisan. You know, they they could just be promoting good things. They could be promoting non-controversial, non-political things too. We, we need a lot more of that in the country right now. It would be nice if we all could count on some of those who have big cultural influence and major platforms to say things like, "Hey everybody, be good to each other. Pray. Build a relationship with God. Understand that you are fallible. Understand that you are not perfect." Embrace that, learn what that means, and work with that, and work to be better, and work to help those around you be comforted, be happier. Uh, there's there's a lot there. I gotta say, it was pretty good stuff. Uh, roll Call, however, is up next. The show ain't over yet, folks. Yo, Buck keeps it real. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. All right, it's your favorite time and mine. Time for Le Roll Call. May we be in Le Roll Call. Wrap it in a big bag of stinky bread cheese. Marvelous, monsieur. That's how we do. Don't know why I'm getting French. Must be a little tired. Been a very long day here in the hut. Lots and lots of stuff going on. But let's get right to it, shall we? Remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If, if indeed, you would like to be a part of the uh, wonderful segment that we call Roll Call. Uh, just as easy as that. And I really hope everyone listening follows me on Facebook so you can get updates about the show, news stories, talk to fellow members of Team Buck, and all that good stuff. One more plug. The Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton goes live tomorrow afternoon. So please do uh, subscribe, uh, click the link. Right now it's under the Buck Sexton Show, but uh, we should be able to get it to its own page shortly. All right, first up here, uh, we have Joe who writes, Buck, where can we find past episodes of Rising? Asking for all of us podcast listeners, Joe, Rising is meant to be watched on demand on your schedule. Go to... uh, hill.tv slash rising and click whatever segments you want to watch or you can watch the whole thing just by clicking i think the top link and you'll watch it all the way through so there you have it that is how you can watch rising whenever you feel like it jay writes uh just discovered rising great show i think we had a good show today i think it went well you know, some days are better than others when you're just getting started, but I think today was was pretty solid. Uh, next up here, we write, uh, or you write, not me, or we, Dan, who writes, nice job nudging the FBI to do the right thing to provide information needed for congressional oversight. Good to see you on special report with Brett Baer. Congrats. Well, thank you very much, Dan. Um, I'm always trying to use the opportunities I get on a platform of that stature and level 
to push for important actions on behalf of, well, anyone and anything that I think really matters. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, uh, Brett Bear's show is just, it's as good a news broadcast as there is. I can say that. There, there is no show that I think is better. You could argue there are others that are in the same league, but Brett's show is, for me, as, as good as it gets. And, and look, it's fair. It's, dare I say, balanced, but it really is. Uh, there's an honesty to what goes on there. The panelists who lean Democrat are very smart. They're treated with respect on the panel. They're not there to get dumped on. They're not there to be, uh, you know, the clay pigeon or the proverbial zoo animal that I was, for example, sometimes at CNN. Oh my gosh, you like Trump? You're just terrible. I hate you. It's not a helpful conversation for anybody. But yeah, no, Brett, Brett show is great. And they, uh, it's always an honor to be on that panel. I really enjoy it. Michael writes, Hey Buck Shields High, we like your show rising. Great format and concept, but it feels like it's creeping a bit left of center, not so much straight down the middle. Please tell the producers to wake up and not give so much airtime to Rob Reiner, Jim Podesta, or John Podesta, and Jim Clapper with almost no pushback. Who's on your side? Rudy Giuliani? Michael? First of all, I'm glad you like the show, and your criticism is well taken. We're trying. No one does this, right? No one out there is really making a good faith effort to have a co-hosted two-person show that is coming to you with both sides of the story. Now, that means that because I have a, a professional relationship with my co-host, Crystal Ball, and because we're trying to create a certain kind of conversation and atmosphere, I do not try to own the libs on the show. I'll push back, I'll give counter-arguments, and I will work to bring people over to my side from the other side, although it's very hard in in any context, particularly on television, uh, but I'm not going to try to slap people down or uh, make them feel ignorant or small because there's so much of that on TV already. Look, there may be a time when I'm on a different kind of show or you know shows evolve and and own the libs becomes the mantra, but it's not right now. It's not part of my mission set. I have a different mission set on Rising. Here on radio, you just get pure buck, unfiltered, uncut, unadulterated. Buck wild. That's what it is here on the radio show, which is why I love radio so much. When I have a rough day, when I'm having a tough day in the media world or just in general, I look forward to this, to talking to all of you, to reading your messages, to taking your phone calls and to speaking with you for a few hours every night. It's one thing every day I look forward to. So that should tell you, I can't lie to you. I don't always look forward to doing TV, especially when it's really early in the morning. That can be a little tough. Uh, Next up here, we have... David, who writes, hey, Buck, uh, remember economical development used to be measured by GNP, gross national product, or products manufactured within our borders. GDP, gross domestic product, is a measure of productivity by American companies here and abroad. I think they changed that measure in the late 80s or early 90s. Great show. Take care. Uh, well, thank you, David. Yeah, I, I do know that there is also GNP and people rarely use it. And I would be curious to dig deeper into why that is. It's definitely the less uh, widespread metric for how things are going. Jen Lawrence writes, amazing show. Something I've wondered is if all these conservatives are putting out. Oh, no, sorry. That was from before, Jen. Here's the new one. Love Rising. Thank you, Jen. I hope you enjoy Rising. We're We're really... It's so early, right? A show at this stage, it's going to go through a lot of change, evolution, and growth. 
But I will say that for a show that's been on the air less than a week, we're we're really hitting a groove and it's coming along. And uh, I think we're doing something different and special by having that both sides of the both sides of the story conversation. Uh, and I, I hope you all enjoy it. But as I've always told you, though, understand this, guys. I'm not I'm, I'm not there to, to crush my enemies and hear the lamentations of their women. Right. That's a different kind of show, a different kind of format. I do that somewhat here on radio, although people generally don't want to debate me on radio. Uh, but it's a different show. Right? It's, it's like, you know how when you're invited to your uh, your in-laws and they want to talk to you about politics at the table, you can talk to them about it, but you got to do it in a way that people don't start throwing mashed potatoes at each other across the table. So that's that's my mandate. That's what I've accepted. It's an experiment. I'm going to try to make it work. Nick, next up here. Buck, huge fan of the show. I listen to you all the time when I'm working in my wood shop. I happen to be scrolling through the channels when Chris Pratt was winning the Generation Award on MTV. If you have time, watch his speech. He's an awesome dude and a refreshing break from Hollywood. Shields high, Buck. Keep up the good work. Well, Nick, yeah, we, we talked about that here on the show, as you know, if you've been listening, uh, as I'm sure you have. And I, I've always thought that Chris Pratt had a, a positive public presence. Excuse the alliteration there. But but he's somebody who you know, seems like he's trying to be a, a good influence out there. I don't know what else to say. Uh, he was great on the show Parks and Rec. He's really transformed himself into a leading man. And for somebody who has that kind of stature and who's become you know, Hollywood A-list, as people would say, to stand up and you know tell people, understand you're imperfect, but understand that God loves you and you know be good to people and be kind to people. That messaging can matter. You know, I think that that can, that can make, oh gosh, I was going to say can make a difference, but I think it can. And uh, I agree with you. It was a good, although the, the stuff that he should have cut out, and I did for all of you, but number seven on his list about the bathroom, everything else was, you know, he had nine great bits of advice or at least funny bits of advice. Number seven, though, is a little too scatological. Uh, I did not think that that was a good way to go. William writes, what if Trump taking away kids is just a temporary way to deter illegal immigration? Well, William, I think it is supposed to be a pressure tactic to get the other side politically to come to the table and do some real negotiating with uh, the Republicans on the issue of how to deal with immigration in a number of ways. Right? Immigration is a huge issue. Immigration, we should think of almost the way you discuss national defense it's not a singular conversation. It's not a single issue conversation. It's a lot of different related conversations and they have very, very high stakes. Uh, Timothy writes, uh, Shields High Buck, I hope you're enjoying the World Cup as much as I am. Christian Ronaldo put on quite a performance this past Friday. I was surprised at Germany's loss to Mexico, but it's not the first time Germany has been defeated in Russia. Uh since the USA failed to qualify, I've been cheering for our English brethren, Shields High. Well, Timothy, you know, I I can't get too excited about U.S. soccer because for us to be the most powerful country in the world with a population of over 320 million and we can't get into the World Cup, but Iceland can, you know, come on. At, at some point, there's something really obviously very wrong with U.S. national team soccer. And part of it may be, the fact that most people listening to this are like men's team soccer, who cares, right? They just, a lot of America just hasn't embraced soccer as a sport for a whole bunch of different reasons. And everyone's going to write me notes because it's not about individuality. I, I, guys, I know, I know all the arguments about, about soccer. 
I did see that uh, Landon Donovan posed for some ad that was, you know, cheer for your other team, basically. And Landon Donovan is one of the most famous U.S. national team strikers. And the cheer for your other team was to cheer for Mexico. Uh, look, I, I if I were on the U.S. national team, I wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be telling people to cheer for anybody but the U.S. national team. I'll say that. I think that that was look. It's not a big deal. I'm not trying to make some big deal out of it. But if you were a U.S. national level athletic competitor, uh, I, I don't think you know on a national team. I don't think you should be rooting for or telling people to root for uh, another country. I don't know. It just struck me as a little strange. And it's not, that's not my second team, okay? I, I, don't, I don't really get it. You know, you root for any team you like, but if you were on the team, if you're on the U.S. national team, I feel like you got to just stay with that. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining me, team. A, a privilege and a pleasure as it is every day. We're going to have a fantastic show tomorrow. You know we will. Uh, please do get ready for the uh, the Freedom Hunt with Buck Sexton. I really, really hope and ask that all of you download it as soon as it hits and that you share it and really get the, get a buzz going. It'd be a huge help to everything that I'm trying to accomplish here in the hut. And also, uh, just get ready for a great show tomorrow, team. We've got a lot going on. Until next time, Shields High! It's summertime. You're probably going to be running around in a lot of T-shirts, polo shirts. You know, you want to have the most comfortable gear. You want to make sure you can get access to performance apparel, wicking apparel, all that stuff. But you also want designs that you like to show out and about. And you want to be supporting a company that you believe in. Nine Line Apparel checks all of those boxes. Nine Line is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand. Its name comes from saving somebody from the battlefield, right? It's when you call out a nine line, that's when someone needs to be taken off the field of battle, uh, brought to safety by their brothers and sisters in uniform. And they're all about helping the veterans community in this country and standing for a great patriotic American brand. Go check out their gear for yourself. Visit NineLineApparel.com and use the coupon code BUCK20 for 20% off your next order. Again, NineLineApparel.com, coupon code Buck 20 for 20% off your next order.